From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 206 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I am a permanent deacon of the Diocese of Phoenix. Lent is now here. Have we prayed to ask the Lord what he wants us to do to prepare ourselves during this holy season? After all, Lent is a time to prepare ourselves to be ready for the joys of Easter. Are we willing to give more to others? Are we willing to fast from what gets in the way of our growing closer to God? Are we willing to give more time to prayer so that we can hear what God is calling us to do? Let us pray that we will be willing and able to do these things and by God's grace have a holy and blessed Easter. In episode 206 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our Saint of the Week, Saint Leander of Seville, who served the Church despite opposition. We will hear a homily for the first Sunday of Lent as we hear about Jesus' temptations as he wanders in the desert. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a bishop who spent his life as a missionary. In the segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover a new documentary film about a servant of God. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I Will Attempt to Understand What is Going On in Maryland. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about God's commandments. All of this, plus music from Richard Shikari, who sings, only you. This and more on episode 206 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week. Saint Leander of Seville was born in Cartagena, Spain, of parents who were illustrious for their virtue. St. Isidore, his father, and St. Fulgentius, both bishops were his brothers. And his sister, Florentina, is numbered also among the saints. So he came from a family of saints. St. Leander became a monk at Seville and then was bishop of that see. He was instrumental in converting the two sons of the Arian king, Leovilgid. This action earned him the king's wrath in exile to Constantinople, where he met and became close friends of the papal legate, the future Pope Gregory the Great. It was Leander who suggested that Gregory write the famous commentary on the book of Job, called the Moralia. Once back home, under King Rakered, St. Leander began his work of propagating Christian orthodoxy against the Arians in Spain. The third local council of Toledo, decreed the consubstantiality of the three persons of the Trinity, meaning all made from one substance, and brought about moral reforms. Leander's unerring wisdom and unflagging dedication led the Visigoths and other tribes back to the true faith and obtained the gratitude of Gregory the Great. The saintly bishop also composed an influential rule for nuns, and was the first to introduce the Nicene Creed at Mass. Worn out by his many activities in the cause of Christ, 
Leander died around the year 600 and was succeeded in the See of Seville by his brother Isidore. The Spanish church honors Leander as a doctor of the faith. His feast day is February 27th. St. Leander of Seville, serving the church and standing up for the truths of the faith, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the first Sunday of Lent, Cycle A, as we hear about Jesus being tempted by the devil as he wanders the desert. Pierre Barlow was a gunner in the fort of Mount Valerian during the Prussian siege of Paris in 1870. One day he was standing by his gun when General Noel, the commander, came up and leveled his glass at the Severus Bridge. Gunner, he said, do you see the Severus Bridge over there? Yes, sir, said Pierre. And that little shanty in the thicket of shrubs to the left? I see it, sir, said Pierre, turning pale. It's a nest of Prussians. Try to hit it with a shell, my man. Pierre turned paler still. He sighted his piece deliberately, carefully, and then fired it. Well hit, my man, well hit, exclaimed the general, as the shanty blew up in flames. But as he looked at Pierre, the general was surprised to see a great tear running down the gunner's neck. What's the matter, man? asked the general. Pardon me, general, said Pierre. That shanty was my home, everything I had in the world. In our first reading from the book of Genesis, we hear Adam and Eve in the garden, and God, the permissive, loving Father, allows them to eat from any tree but one, and Adam and Eve disobey, and sin and death enters the world. We hear in our second reading from St. Paul to the Romans that one man's sin, of course referring to Adam, brought about death and sin, and one man's Obedience, one man's life, Jesus Christ, brought about salvation, that it changed all of that. And in our Gospel of St. Matthew, we hear Jesus wandering in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by the devil with power and riches, and if only he will serve the devil. But Jesus withstands those temptations and stays loyal to his Father. Jesus is obedient to the Father. As we enter this Lenten season, a season not of sadness, but a season to prepare ourselves for the great gift and coming of Christ's resurrection that we celebrate in Easter. Easter is a time where we are to grow in holiness, in our spirituality, in our loving connection and encountering with the Lord. And if we are to do this, we must remember that change must occur in our lives. But above all, it takes obedience to grow in holiness. 
So the question I think we are called to contemplate is this. Are we obedient? Often the answer is no, we're not obedient. We're not obedient because we don't like being told what to do. We want to be in control. We want to make decisions. We don't like feeling controlled. Sometimes we are disobedient because we see freedom as the highest good. You know, nobody can take away my freedom. It's mine. It's my life. I can do what I want with it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And of course, when we are disobedient this way, truth, small t, is in the eye of the beholder. We become gods, small g, who live a small t truth. Truth is whatever I say it is. If I say this is okay for me to do, it's not your place to tell me I'm wrong. After all, I believe it, so it must be true. And when we do this, we are truly disobedient. To become obedient to the Lord, which is required of holiness and growth in the spiritual life, we must understand that above all, we must be obedient in our service to God. God must be why we are here, who we are here to serve. We're not God. God's God, and we must serve him. We must understand, if we are to be obedient, that freedom is doing God's will and following the teachings of our church, which help us to live in freedom. Freedom is not about following rules of the church or following God. Freedom is about when we do this, we are set free from our own sinfulness, from our own selfishness, as we begin to live for God and service to one another. Then we can truly become free. And we must understand that there is a truth that we must be obedient to. And that truth is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And if we are to be holy, we must obedient, be obedient to his truth, not make up our own as we go along. My brothers and sisters, we pray and hope that this Lent for all of us will be a holy and blessed season. It's not just about praying more, although we need to. It's not simply about giving more of our things, of our possessions, of time to others although we must. It is not simply about picking something to give up, although we must sacrifice. We do these things in obedience for one reason, to grow in closeness to the Lord, to grow in holiness, to die to self, so that we can be the holy people Christ calls us to be. So let us pray that during this Lenten season, in this first Sunday of Lent, we will continue on this journey, that we will be obedient to the Lord so that we may grow in our relationship with him. And as Lent continues, grow in that faith to be able to celebrate the greatest gift in the world, the gift of the resurrection, that life will last forever and that Christ calls us to live with him forever in heaven.
now let us listen to the artist Richard Shikari as he sings what our Lord is supposed to be in our lives, that we are to live for him, only you. It's 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 a wicked world, children dying, mamas crying, men fighting over vanity. When, when will this stop? Come heal us, Lord. Leaders lying, preachers stealing, teachers cheating over vanity. When, when will this stop? Our eyes on the heavens for your second coming. Can't wait to be in your presence, till you will be running. In your arms, there is peace and all the loving. Lord, come down, we want the darkness running. Oh Lord, it's only you. I look around, Lord, it's only you. Come down, Lord, it's only you. It's only you, oh Lord, it's only you, yes I look around, Lord, it's only you, oh Love down, Lord, it's only you, yeah Look at you, Lord, it's only you, oh Our Father who art in heaven Your womb impressed with craving Our Father who art in heaven Your womb impressed with craving Our Father who art in heaven your warm embrace we craving Our Father who art in heaven Your warm embrace we craving Oh Lord, it's only you I look around, Lord, it's only you Come down, Lord, it's only you Who can heal us? It's only you Oh Lord, it's only you Yes, I look around, Lord, it's only you in the news. Bishop William J. McNaughton, 
a Merino missionary for 66 years and the first bishop of Incheon, South Korea, from 1962 until his retirement in 2002, died recently at Cedarview Rehabilitation and Healthcare Center in Methuen, Massachusetts. He was 93. McNaughton attended all four sessions of the Vatican, Second Vatican Council from 1962 to 1965, missing only two days because of illness. William John McNaughton was born on December 7, 1926, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. He was the oldest of five children. At Marino Seminary, he received his Bachelor of Arts degree in 1948 and received a master's degree in religious education in 1953. One month before his uh, June 13, 1953 ordination, he was ordained as a Marinol priest and assigned to the mission region in Korea. He studied the Korean language for a year at Yale University and arrived in South Korea uh, on Ju- July 22, 1954, after the war. After serving 13 months as a curate, he served as pastor from 1955 to 1960, and in 1961, St. John XXIII raised the status of the Incheon area, which then is, was then an apostolic vicariate. That same day, McNaughton was named bishop and appointed apostolic vicar of Incheon. McNaughton became the first bishop of this new diocese of Incheon and served there for 41 years. Over the years, with the zeal of many priests, religious, and laity, the diocese of Incheon, like other dioceses of South Korea, expanded greatly with many conversions and vocations. Schools, hospitals, homes of the sick and aged, and many other institutions and associations were formed during McNaughton's time there. His achievements included holding diocesan diocesan synod in 1999 to 2000. He opened a major seminary there as well. On September 20, 2000, they blessed the new seminary um, with the idea that the blood of martyrs is why the church is so strong in Korea, McNaughton would say. Evangelizers are not so much the priests and sisters as the very persons themselves, the Catholic laity, he explained. McNaughton said that once they get the faith, they propagate it among themselves. They know how to spread the faith. At at his request after his retirement, McNaughton was assigned to minister to the Mary No Retirement Community, um, which is what he did until his death. He resided there... um, until 2018. In 2018, he celebrated his 65th Jubilee as a Mary Knoll priest. Bishop William J. McNaughton, who spent his life bringing the faith to South Korea. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the media. Servant of God, Dorothy Day's wife serving the poor, advocating radical pacifism, founding the Catholic worker movement, and taking on the U.S. government is a complex one with many contradictions, as filmmaker Martin Dobryer noted during a recent screening of the movie Revolution of the Heart, the Dorothy Day story, 
which is a new documentary of her life. Day was a radical communist who later converted to Catholicism. She marched and was even jailed and beaten in the suffragette movement, but never voted. She was a woman who had lived with multiple partners, had an abortion, and after her conversion was a single mother who went on to denounce the sexual revolution. Day advocated peace and refused to bat the United States entering World War II, but praised aspects of the communist revolution in Cuba. The film explores her complicated life and devotion to the poor, which led her to found the Catholic worker houses of hospitality for those in need and advocate for workers' rights in the Catholic worker newspaper. It provided insight into Day's particular call to serve the poor, noting her childhood in San Francisco after the earthquake of 1906, when the community came together after the devastation. The movie traces her life as a young intellectual and radical communist who partied with famous writers in New York. Grace finally caught up with Day's several relationships and one abortion later. She was in a relationship with activist and biologist Forster Batterham and became pregnant despite believing herself sterile. She was delighted to become a mother to her daughter, Tamar, but because Batterham did not wish to be a father um, and became obsessed with Day's increased obsession with Catholicism, the relationship ended. Before entering the Catholic faith herself, Day had Tamar baptized. Day remarked upon reading Thomas a. Kempis, The Imitation of Christ, quote, I felt that the church was the church of the poor, unquote. Soon Catholic worker, co-founder, and social activist Peter Morin came into Day's life and gave her the theological grounding to pursue her social activism in the Catholic sphere. Speaking at his Ash Wednesday general audience in 2013, Pope Benedict XVI praised Day's ability to oppose the ideological enticements of her time in order to choose the search for truth and to open herself to the discovery of faith. God guided her to a conscious adherence to the church, Benedict said, and a life dedicated to the underprivileged. Following her remarkable conversion, Day continued to court controversy. The film noted that the Catholic worker movement lost most of its leadership when Day came out against U.S. intervention in World War II. She also took a difficult stand toward Castro's Cuba. I think it's not really fair to say she praised the Castro regime, a biographer said. She went to Cuba on a pilgrimage and wanted to promote dialogue at a time when a lot of people, just in an instinctive way, wanted to denounce everything about the revolution, and she felt that Catholics should be prepared to be open to positive work that the revolution was trying to accomplish in the form of education, health care, overcoming inequality, and exploitation. In addition to looking at Day's pacifism and political activity, the documentary also mentions, albeit briefly, her distaste for the sexual revolution. Her writings on the matter reflect her own experience in condemning premarital sex, contraception, and abortion. Men and women are co-creators, she once wrote. In this lies their great dignity. Sex is in its pleasure, its joy, its well-being, the image throughout the Old Testament of the beatific vision, the nearest we come to God. Sex is a gigantic force in our lives and unless controlled becomes unbridled lust under which women are victims and suffer most of all. 
when man takes to himself the right to use sex as pleasure alone, cutting it away from its creative aspect by artificial birth control, by perverse practices, he is denying the absolute supremacy of the created deity. A long way came Dorothy Day. Revolution of the Heart, the Dorothy Day story, a new documentary highlighting the conversion and life of the servant of God, Dorothy Day. This week's Truth in the Media. Lawmakers in Maryland are again seeking to introduce a bill to legalize assisted suicide after similar efforts have failed four years in a row. Despite being heavily amended in 2019, the assisted suicide bill failed by one vote to pass in the Senate, marking the closest the legislative effort has come to passing in the state. However, advocates of the bill believe that changes in the legislative body may be enough to approve the legislation this time around. Delegate Shane M. Pendergrass, lead sponsor of the bill, says the effort has 53 co-sponsors in the House and 17 in the Senate. Senator Jeff Walderstreicher is the Senate lead sponsor of the bill, is planning to work to sway legislators who may be unsure about their vote on the issue. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan has indicated that he is open to considering signing the bill if it comes to his desk. The bill is based on an Oregon law that allows physician-assisted suicide for terminally ill patients with a prognosis of six months or fewer to live. So let me get this straight here. Legislators are trying to pass a bill that's been turned away multiple times that allows people basically to commit suicide. And this is based, supposedly, on the dignity of the human person? Come on! Who are they kidding? No way! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Jesus wants his followers to move from a formal observance of God's commands to an interior acceptance of them, and in that way, to no longer be slaves to sin and selfishness, Pope Francis said recently. He encourages passing from a formal observance of the law to a substantial observance, welcoming the law in one's heart, which is the center of the intentions, decisions, words, and gestures of each one of us. Good actions and evil ones start in the heart, the Pope said while upholding the commandments and laws given to the people by Moses. Jesus wanted to teach people the proper approach to the law, which is to recognize it as an instrument God uses to teach his people true freedom and responsibility, the Pope went on to say. We should not forget this. To live the law is an instrument of liberty that helps us to be freer, that helps us not to be a slave to passions and sin. So many calamities, so many, the Pope went on to say, and they are the result of people who do not know how to control their passions. Allowing one's passions to rule one's actions, he said, does not make someone the lord of his or her life, but instead makes that person incapable of managing it with willpower and responsibility. Accepting the law of God 
in our hearts. You understand that when you do not love your neighbor, then to some degree you kill yourself and others because hatred, rivalry, and division kill the fraternal charity that is at the basis of interpersonal relationships. Accepting the law of God in your heart, he added, means learning to master one's desires because you cannot have everything you want and it is not good to give in to selfish and possessive feelings. Of course, the Pope said, Jesus knows that it is not easy to live the commandments in this all-embracing way. That's why he offers the assistance of his love. He came into the world not only to fulfill the law, but also to give us his grace so that we can do the will of God by loving him and our brothers and sisters. Pope Francis, telling us the truth in following God's commandments. Our truth topic of the week. Well, we have finished episode 206 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share, please email me at deaconstevew at gmail.com or just want to say hi. As we begin our Lenten journey this year, let us ask our Lord to help us to be holy, to live to love him, to serve him and one another, to truly die to self, to discipline ourselves, not for the sake of doing so, but for the sake of growing in holiness, growing in freedom, to love him and one another. Let us pray. Let us pray, Lord, that we will be able to discern the truth the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be, as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.